podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Postmatch Raw. I am your temporary host, Guy Drinkle. Uh, Trev is still waiting for the repair of his television, um, but I will soldier on in his absence. Uh, I have Jim protecting his record. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. I mean, it was a bit harder to keep the record going today, but we got through, didn't we? We did. He certainly carried us in that second half, Jim. (laughs) And we also have Carl Matthew with us, the reason why that second half was so terrifying, I presume. Yes, always happy to take the blame, although... uh... I think that's uh, what ten gate ten goals I've uh, predicted, so to speak, that we'll concede in two games, and uh, we'll keep that clean sheet run going. Hopefully, if I keep keep doing the same, that's true. <laughs> What's the score for the Nottingham Forest, please? Again, please, Carl. Definitely five two to them. Good man. Um, but we will start with the starting 11s, because where else would we start? And Jim, I'll start with the Liverpool eleven for us. I think it was five changes we made. Um, Allison obviously in goal. Trent back in. Gomez Van Dijk. Simakas rotated in at left-back. Salah back in his linesman position. Uh, Henderson back in midfield. Thiago Carvalho starting on the left mid with Jota's absence. Bobby and Darwin coming into the first team. Um, I think everyone understands that we had to rotate, especially after such an intense game on Wednesday, but I'm sure everyone looked at that team and saw... For me, it was Salah on the right mid. I understand the other changes from a physical point of view, but you see Salah on the right mid, you're just like, we've done this before and it doesn't work. That was what stood out for me. Yeah, I think the trouble is we've got three forwards, if you like. I mean, not taking anything against from Carvalho, but, you know, the three, the three, the three big money players, if you like. Um, they all want to play in the middle, or we all think that's the best place for them in the middle, and you can't put them all in the middle, so... It's one of those in the end where you think, well, what, what's the best thing to do? Who who should move out of the way kind of thing? And really, probably Salah was the best qualified to not be the one in the middle, if you like. No, not one of the ones in the middle. But it's just so frustrating after seeing his last couple of games. That that little cameo almost that was a cameo that included a hat-trick against Rangers. And then what he did on, on Sunday against City. Why, why he's playing out there? Well... It's, it's because, as you say, we've had to rotate. We've got we've got those issues with players that maybe could have come in there. But yeah, we 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 need to get him back in the middle if we can. We really do. Other than he has played well out wide before in the past, but you know different kind of players with him, and it's going to take a bit of time, isn't it? But on the whole, the job was done today, and I think that's the main thing. But yeah, plenty plenty for them to look at back at the training ground in the morning. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Well, we'll go through it as we go along. Um, Carl, anything you want to add on the first eleven, uh, hour eleven before we go into the West Ham one, which had a couple changes, I think. 
Yeah, not so much the start eleven, which I think you guys have pretty much covered, but definitely the subs bench. Um, I think we we knew that there was obviously going to be an opportunity or two down the line for at least one, if not maybe a couple of the younger players uh, coming in the next few matches. Obviously, Champions League is a bit of a bigger bench. Uh, one or two players, like Oxley Chamberlain, who came back today, not registered for the Champions League as well. So, um, Clark obviously got the got the nods today. Bobby Clark, he can play sort of left side, just behind the attack, that sort of thing. So, probably he'll be involved, uh, as we mentioned on Scout, uh, in the next couple of games. But also nice to see Oxley Chamberlain back, of course. I don't imagine he'll play immediately a huge role, mm-hmm. but having him back as an option for both sides, and again, someone who can play off a front man. Uh, is quite useful and Curtis Jones obviously his first meaningful minutes really of the season it's probably again going to take a few games for for both those players to get any kind of rhythm and sharpness in their game but a few nice touches a few uh, things where you can see that that position maybe suits him and uh, like you've just said we do need to rotate because we've got injuries and absences and those people coming back who can play little bits of games and little bits of performances are going to be very important for us. Yeah, and it looks like people maybe like Naby Keita and stuff may be coming back into the fold, so it might be a more of a rotating cast as we go along. Um, but as long as you keep predicting five two or whatever it is, uh, I keep I keep feeling the confidence. And as long as Jim's on roll, um, <laughs> but Carl, I'll stick with you for the for the West Ham team. Um, Fabianski in goal, Ben Johnson, Zuma, Tio Kera, um, Cresswell. Uh, they went to a midfield three, which was probably the big surprise. Um, Suchek, Rice, uh, Flynn, Downs, who I know Dave um, has been speaking highly of, especially in his European um, performances. Jared Bowen, Skamaka, and Fornals. I mean, do you find it odd that a, t- a team that had such a has such a well defined midfield in 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 Suchek and Rice, they added another person in there to compete with ours, which has been struggling with form. I know the Man City game was different, but it just felt like an odd change for me. Um, I mean, possibly, but they were they were they were playing a very flexible system today. To be fair, it was you know quite often you would see them switch from a back four to a back three in and out of possession. Johnson obviously able to fill in on one side. Creswell can do the same if they tilt the other way. Both of them have played wing back, so it was a really flexible system for them today. To be fair, uh, and at times it was like Bowen and Skamaka up top, and at other times Fornals was able to push up, and it was Downs in the middle, like you say. So I think they were probably just trying to match us up. Um, with a flat four across when Fortinals was dropping back uh, off the ball and out of possession, and also sometimes try and get a few overloads in the middle with the extra man, because you saw quite early on, uh, Henderson and Thiago were, were very, very good on the ball for the start of the game. They couldn't really lay a glove on us for, for the opening uh, spell on the match in midfield. And I think that that was probably just to allow themselves a little bit of extra, like I say, flexibility so they could try and either close us down more or get a bit of an overload there in midfield, that sort of thing. So we know Moyes is... Um, pretty flexible with his with his tactical approach these days so it's uh, probably a good thing for them that they are able to change and bring a few different people in because last season it was very much about 12 maybe 13 players who had to be starting mm-hmm. or picking from to start nearly every week so it's it's not a, not the worst thing in the world for them to have a bit more versatility yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, and I think we saw the uh, advantage of that in the first, in the second half, I should say. Um, but we will come to that, uh, Jim. I will start with the game with you. Um, first minute in, Ali decides to scare all of us and pass straight to a West Ham play <laughs> about uh, fifty or twenty odd yards out. Um, but then we certainly do seem to grow into the game. I mean, first noted attack I have is Trent. Um, a nice build up play, and Trent crosses straight to Fabianski. 
uh, we have a counter-attack. I think Darwin's covered by about three people and couldn't pass to Moore, who I think it was. Uh, then we come with that Nunes volley, um, half volley, where it just kind of came out of nowhere. I think it was Thiago who made the pass through, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, the start of that game, it seemed, after that alley moment, we seemed to grab control of the the half, and I think that continued really till about 40-odd minutes before a bit of sloppiness came in, but we'll obviously get onto that. Yeah, he did. I think we, we came out of the blocks really, not sort of all guns blazing, if you like. Like It, it was a different such a different feel if you like the ground felt different the atmosphere was different compared to Sunday you know and I think it was sort of controlling it it was a controlled way of taking control if that makes sense not really sort of going um not not sort of risking injuries and not sort of um taking chances if you like and I don't mean not taking chances like sometimes our players don't take chances um because we did that one from Nunes was was an absolutely wonderful effort and um, Fabianski, to be fair, I've got a lot of time for him as a keeper. I know when we played West Ham last season, I was in the cop just behind the goal, and he was getting a bit of sort of light-hearted stick off the cop, and he was giving it back. He was laughing and pulling faces and things with the cop. So I, you know, I've got a bit of time for him, and he's not a bad keeper at all, um, you know. And and that's 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 what Nunes was up against, and I think that that was a wonderful effort, and it just sort of sort of set the set the scene really for what went on for the rest of or nearly the rest of that half um it it was it was good to see um i think the the thing about nunez is that we he's still he's still not the, the the fully polished product as you say he's still got those rough edges he's still got um there's times when he's not making the right decision but you know it's just you can see what talent he has got and you can see that in time, it's, it is all going to come together, or you hope it's all going to come together, and he's, he's going to prove to be an excellent signing. This this team now as well is one that's more likely to make him some chances as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the issues early on in the season is no, none of our best strikers from the last 10 years would have necessarily got much out of the, the chances we were creating for our players. So I think, you know, it, it, it bodes well for the future. And, and as you say, as, as we get to it, 21 minutes in, um, it, it felt like it was only a matter of time, and it was. Um, I think it was. Was it was it Thiago who found um, who found Simicast, and yes. it was a lovely little ball, which Simicast just instantly just knew what to do with it, and, and that was to find Nunes. He said, and you know, it, it was like a textbook goal. You know, this was a, a wonderful bit of play. Just those three passes, that just those three touches, if you like, and you know, from the halfway line to the back of the net, and. Really, you felt like more may come. It didn't matter in the end, but that that is what we can do. That is what we can do. We can we can turn a game around just like that. We can just change things just like that. And you know, if we can get our confidence back that we had from last season and keep doing it, I, I do feel we can get back to what we were. Yeah, Carl, and I think I think Jim's made a good point there. Is that that for the point? I was going to say first goal, the only goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> It did. It did look like a Liverpool goal. It was nice to play in midfield. Thiago with a nice little pass to um, Simicas, and there's some questions about Simicas as a player overall in recent weeks. Um, but I don't think anyone's ever doubted his final product in terms of his crossing and certainly his corners. But that cross to Darwin and that header from Darwin, it's just that is what I, I'd class as a Liverpool goal. It's just a fantastic ball in. The headers domineering. I think it was Kara marking him, and he just completely bullied him in the air. Kara had no chance really, and just kind of got lost in the air. But yeah, it was nice to see 
a goal from Darwin, but also just the constant threat he was in this game. But please talk us through that goal as well. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, to be honest, you know, you you say it like surprise. Oh, it was actually the only goal in the game. But you're right because it felt like there should have been about like five in this game. Tonight, yeah, even though maybe the the quality ultimately was a little bit lacking. There were so many big chances and so many near misses and so many moments where you thought that surely it's in at both ends of the pitch. It it does feel odd for this to have been a 1-0. It's like as different a 1-0 as the weekend's one was, as you could probably imagine, certainly with two games in the space of like three or four days. Um, Nunez, I thought it was really, really good tonight. First half, he was by a million miles, I think the most, I'm not going to say the best player on the pitch in terms of tech, technical ability, but definitely the best in terms of the most involved, the most effective. Uh, aggressive, yeah, effective player. I mean, his running in the channels was brilliant. His work rate, tracking back, stopping Ben Johnson playing out in the left-back zone at times, really, really good. That's that's what we need from him. You know, that's what we need from whoever is playing in attack. When we're not playing with the three all the way across, and we saw it in the second half especially, it's much more difficult to stop teams playing out of a you know, back four if they want to try and evade that first line of, of pressure because there's not that extra body there behind you spread all the way across and then the next one from the number eights as well. So it's a really different way of trying to stop the ball. And it is going to entail a load of hard work from whoever the front two are. And he was excellent with that off the ball. Off the ball, obviously, for a right-footed player, if he was as good at shooting with his right foot as he is with his left foot, I think he would probably <laughs> have had a hat-trick tonight. It was a, it was a bizarre thing where he was nearly putting the goalkeeper through the net and breaking the net every time he was having a go. And yet with the right foot, it was scuff and not hit it properly and everything else. So, like Jim says, still, still things to work on there. He's not the finished product, but what he is is an absolute battering ram. And we can make really good use of that. And he's, he has a lot of technical ability. He has a lot of uh, power to his game belief. His first touch is hit and miss. Sometimes it's really, really good. And sometimes it's like me trying to control the ball that someone's fired out of a cannon at me. Um, <laughs> it's it's a bit of a a bit of a, a mix from him at the minute. But overall, I think we need that kind of impact because a lot of this season's early games was really lacking energy, really lacking intensity and fight and just everything that is usually associated with us. And like you say, someone who can just be on the end of balls when we're playing well in the spells where we are producing some good football. There was a really nice Diago pass just before uh, Simicasa's cross as well. And then, like you say, Nunes on the end. That's pretty much everything we could want from him in that first half, shy of just a couple of inches the other side of the post at times. Yes. Did I hear? I, I don't know if I heard it right because I was trying not to listen to the commentary too much tonight and trying to be calm and not get angry and things. But um, did they say Nunez is the fastest player in the Premier League? Yeah, he was clocked as the fastest top speed over one particular run this season yeah. so far. Right. I think it was thirty-eight something kilometers an hour or yeah. something like that. Thirty-eight point something. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. And I think, nice, I think nice. Rudiger was recorded as the fastest last season, like 36 point something last season. So he's yeah. kind of, let's say he smashed it. Another, another he, first record he, for that he, he is a juggernaut once he gets going. It's, uh, <laughs> he is. He's a very difficult man to slow down and stop, I think. I don't want to linger on the commentary too much, but Jim's point there, I will just say that pre-game when it was still with the pundits, I heard McManaman talking about Declan Rice and saying, he doesn't score too often, but when he does, they end up in the net like that, which I gave a very <laughs> serious nod of approval to and then muted him. <laughs> I bet Michael Owen fed him that one. Uh, straight, straight from Michael Owen. That was just a text pre-game, I reckon. 
Uh, but yeah, when it's Steve McManaman on, on um, punditry, you always hope it's a good commentary. I had my hero Ali McCoyst on, but he was joined by Ian Dark, so I was it was half ruined for me. Um, whilst John the Champion, boxing commentator, as I call him, how dare you? But John Champion, no, that... John John Champion was on the United <laughs> game, and I was fuming because Ian Dark is almost as bad as Martin Tyler. Um, but that would be harsh calling him Martin Tyler. But we will move just on. Just quickly, before yeah. we spend too much time on commentary, there was actually a button on the Amazon Prime thing where you could actually just have Stadium FX, yes. which was a quieter version of the crowd, but without the commentary. It's fantastic. fantastic. Um, I forgot to put it on, though. Silly me. That's true. That's true. It's like reverse COVID stadiums commentary. <laughs> oh, God, remember fake noise. That was horrid. Um... Anywho, we'll move on to basically two minutes after the goal. Everything you just said there, Carl, was kind of summarised again because Carvalho and Darwin, um, I think it's Johnson, um, they press straight away and it leads to a shot from, from Gomez. I think it's one of them with his left foot weight straight at the goalkeeper. Um, a few minutes later, we have a nice pass, a big diag by Van Dijk to... Um, Two more, and then more and Bobby have a one-two, and then more tries to skin him, uh, just knocks it out of play. Um, I'll, I'll I'll come to you on this car. I mean, what what did you make of more today? Because he obviously had the well horrid shift of playing on right midfield in the first half. Got moved into the second half when we lost basically control of the game, and it's just an odd one with more. Because well, he's annoyed me because he was my FPL captain and did bugger all, but. <laughs> I don't know whether to blame him or again blame him because he was out of position first half and then second half we had no control whatsoever. I don't think you were the only one's captain, Mark, yes. that's all I will say, but uh, I, I did put Darwin in my team, so there you go. Yeah. Um, I thought he was okay. I mean, you know, build-up play-wise and, and work rate and everything while he was on the right-hand side was fine. Um, as we've said before, we're not going to get the absolute best out of him because it's a little bit deeper and further away from goal, but, you know, we we have to except and make do at the minute that we haven't got enough people, enough really fit, really good, really regular starters to play on both sides of that four at the moment. You know, once maybe Ox is back, maybe him and Elliot can rotate one side and uh, Jones and Carvalho as well rotating the other side, but none of that quartet, you would say, are guaranteed starters. Yeah. So it is going to be a case where sometimes we have to balance maybe playing most that we have someone excellent uh, in that line, and it's not going to get the absolute best out of him, but it might be a little bit better for the team. So I didn't have a massive problem with that tonight. Um, you know, he, he wasn't at his best, but there was a few really nice link-up moments. I think there was one where he teed up Henderson very, very nicely with a, a reverse pass, yeah. and there was a few good uh, link-ups with Bobby as well. Um, so generally fine, not exceptional. Uh, probably would have been a bit of a frustration for him to not get fed a few more chances himself, but. Like I say, if you're starting from that deep and that wide, it is going to be difficult to run in behind the defence because we can't just keep a line of four up the top all the time. Uh, and quite often, Carvalho, I don't know if this is by design or not, but Carvalho seems to be playing a lot narrower from the left mm. than Salah is on the right. So he has to hold that wide position just to give us an out ball and a bit of balance and everything else. So, you know, still, still something to work on. It's still a fairly new overall system for us in terms of all the players getting used to it. Uh, but in general, I think he did a good job. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I'd probably agree with that. Um, Jim, I'll come at you for the next part of the first half. Um, we have good. I've got noted down good work rate by Darwin, which is a story of the first half. 
Um, I've noted playing well here. Moore's shot just went wide. Um, beautiful play by the lads. Little touch back to Moore. Um, shot straight at the goalkeeper. Good defending by Simicass. Uh, beautiful left. Uh, that's a beautiful left-footed half volley by Darwin and hit the post. And I think to rebound with his strong foot, he just spoons <laughs> it out for a throw-in, basically. But yeah, I think you didn't get too much a chance to speak about Darwin there. But he's certainly the story of the first half. And maybe I'll bring in the the discussion on the subs in early because that's a big story of the second half. But Darwin, I, it's it's weird because. I think we all, quite a lot of us got introduced with him when we played Benfica. Um, and I think this was probably the first game we saw a performance like that where he was just relentless. Because, I mean, Fulham obviously making an impact from the bench, the Community Shield making an impact from the bench, and obviously been um, coming back in and out of the team since his suspension lifted. But do you think that's the first game where you look and go, that's what we got terrified by in that Benfica tie? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it feels like it's the first time we've really properly had the chance to to let him loose, if that's if that's the right way of putting him. Because, as you say, we, we sort of eased, him, we tried to ease him in, and then he eased himself out for a bit with the red card. Um, he, he's, um, I mean, that's another thing about tonight. Actually, I was going to say was, you know, that red card got mentioned, and you're thinking he's so much more level headed. He's not, he's not letting them sort of get at him now he's not he's not falling for it because I mean whether West Ham are the kind of team that would do that I think it, it doesn't matter they, there's enough players in that side who would try it on if they thought they could get away with it I think there was something about him tonight that he just really wanted to be everywhere he was he was he was tracking back as Carl says he and that, that's when uh, I think that's what caught me eye about the the stat for his speed because he was literally just about everywhere and not looking slightly out of breath. None of the Joe Cole hands on hips moments whatsoever from him. He never looked short of energy. And and I think this is, this is another thing. He's, he's such a young player. He's got so much to go, you know, so much to come out of him. We know that. And he, he's just been needing that chance to, to be let loose and to, and to have a go. I mean, it, it must be quite daunting for the player because you know, no matter what's gone on before, you've got that massive price tag. You come into a new country, you don't speak the language. Um, is that right? I don't think he spoke it at all, did he, when he arrived? And no, I don't he's think maybe so, yeah. picking it up a bit now. You know, and all of these things add up. It's it's, it's there's so much to go into moving to a big club. It's a massive club, and um, maybe I'm being a little bit biased to say this, but maybe this is the club that's the big club of his career. You know, you'd like to think so that you know this is, in my view, the biggest club he's played for, and. I don't think he'll 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 have a move where he feels like he's going to a bigger club, and you know I hope that's the case. Anyway, um, I hope there's lots of clubs want him, and and he turns them down, obviously, because that's a sign he's doing well. So, yeah, I mean, in a way, that's maybe the trade-off uh, for Salah not playing in his best position. It runs and maybe done Nunes a lot of good confidence-wise if he'd have been played out of position and you know been asked to do a role different to what he can do. But then again, looking at the way he played tonight and the way. He was so sharp to what was going on, not just from going forward, but going back that, you know, maybe he'd have been OK in a different position. And maybe that's something we can think of. But, yeah, we've got to, um, you know, we've, we've got to be patient with him. It's all well and good. You know, Luis Diaz was, I think, one of the exceptions to the rule that with, with, with Klopp, when players come in, they get given time to sort of bed in and to know the ropes. And to learn what the teammates do and for the teammates to learn what they do. And then before you know it, you've got a decent player. We just need to give him a little bit more time, but that 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 sort of you know certainly that first half was a good cameo of what he, what he's capable of doing. Um, 
that post, you know, on another day, <laughs> we, we say this <laughs> often, on another day, that would have bounced the other side of the post and gone in, and it would have been down as one of the goals of the season. But say, um, as you say, there's other ones that are almost down as the miss of the season, and maybe would have done if it wasn't for quite a few West Ham efforts that absolutely knocked them in the park with their, how bad they were. So, yeah, it's a shame. But one goal, the winning goal, three points, it, you know, they, it, it's his face on the back of the papers tomorrow on any stories about Liverpool, which, you know, that that's that's exactly what you want to see. Hundred million pound man finally does something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Um Oh no, tomorrow's back page is actually be whether Van Dyke um I'm sure we're gonna come to it oh, whether Van Dyke thing, did something yes. naughty or not. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Corrupt red scuff penalty spot. There we go. Um, <laughs> racist reds, of course, now. Yeah, that's uh, what Jürgen's oh, yes, labelled as. Um, Carl, I mean, we'll come on to the penalty then. Um, for what was basically a perfect first half, I think the commentary was trying to push blame onto Simicast, and I'm not sure why. Because, well, maybe he didn't have to press. But Joe Gomez didn't have to go in with his ass at someone's head height to try and claim the ball. I'm just not sure what he was doing there. No, I'm not sure either. I don't know if it was just because we'd had 40 minutes of like pretty much total dominance and you know Gomez was getting a bit bored. He's had a really, really good game at the weekend. The international manager's there. He wants a good chance to show what he's worth and he just wanted to get involved, you know, so he had to do something because he's not had anything to do for the best part of three quarters of an hour before that. So... Best thing to do to get yourself noticed, of course, is to sit on somebody's head. And he had a decent go at it, to be fair. Um, I don't really know why it took so long to be given. Yeah. It was obviously a penalty, to be honest. And I mean, I did spend about the first 15 seconds of that trying to convince myself that never a penalty come on, but it was. It was It was easily a penalty. Did you see him um, ask someone in the head? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it was... I was trying to remember. It kind of a little bit reminded me when he was running. I think it was Jimmy Traore um, when he was playing for Charlton against us years and years ago. Sort of nearly did the same, and then decided to actually go in with his studs and instead of sit on someone, actually take the head clean off. Uh, it, it reminded me a little bit of that, but not quite as dangerous, thankfully, um, and thankfully not with as as effective an outcome in the end. Big Ali, lovely, big big save. I think he's been our player of the first half of the season, mm-hmm. regardless of what happens between now and the World Cup break, anyway. Um, look, we we were very very good. I thought for most of that first half up to about the forty minute mark, and because we then missed a couple of chances and we should have been at least two nil up, it felt then like we were like really on the edge because then they had like what three chances to score, like good chances to score between the fortieth and forty fifth minutes. So that's still something obviously to work on that little bit of killing the game if you like or taking the sting out of the game because. At the minute, it still does feel, and I suppose that's natural because we haven't had great results, especially at Anfield this season up until this week, but teams are still going to think that we are brittle and we are susceptible to being put under pressure and everything else up until we're not again. And we haven't lost yet at home this season, but we've still not been anywhere near as good as we we should be. Um, and I think that that will probably be something that we have to face up to again away from home at the minute because we haven't won in the Premier League away from home either yet. Oh God, I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, Carl, I'll stick with you. I mean, you mentioned kind of almost hinted at us losing our head there, and I'll, f- I'll focus on Gomez. Is that something that specifically an issue with him? Obviously, it does happen within the team as well. 
But it does seem to be specifically something that just snowballs massively with him. I think we saw it with Napoli, obviously. Even stuff like, God, I'm just going to reel off horrendous games for you. Aston Villa, that kind of went that way. But you mentioned it. They had like a decent amount of chances in like the last five minutes of the half. It's, I don't know, he just seems to lose his head if he makes one mistake. Maybe you mentioned it there, maybe overly eager to please... Well, everyone, and he probably knew Southgate was there and stuff like that, but he does seem to lose his head quite easily. Well, I do think that a lot of that comes down to rhythm for players and familiarity of their job and being in the team and all the rest of it. And he's not had a really, really good consistent run of games. You've got to remember that. So that is definitely a part of it um, in terms of just decision-making, I think, really. The same as like if a forward comes in and he's not really been in the game or in the team too much over the last few weeks or months, and then he's got to decide all of a sudden, oh, am I passing it here? Am I shooting? Is this the one to take it on? And you see them sometimes sort of hesitate and then take the wrong call, and then the next time when they should shoot, then they do pass it, that sort of thing. It's kind of the same, but for the defender, you know, it's about the decision-making of when to challenge, when to commit yourself, when to step out that line. It's more noticeable when a defender gets that decision wrong, but... We, we said the other day, as, as fantastic as Gomez was, part of the reason he was so good was because he hadn't really had a run at centre-back at all. He'd had a couple of games at right-back. His last game was the Napoli one in the middle that you just mentioned. So that was why it was such a big step up for him. And it is a very, very big thing, an important thing and a difficult thing to do to become so consistent at the back. Like We, we forget now, but we should be we should be able to remember how used we were to people like Skirtle and all the many, 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 many average players who came before him in that position who could be really good at man of the match at clearing stuff one game and an absolute head case in the next one and cost you points. And while Gomez is capable of being much, much better than that, that comes after a run of games, like a month in the team, two months in the team, two months out of three in the team at the very least. And he's not had that. So it's not it's not going to be a huge surprise if he does have these ups and downs games Mostly, I think on the ball, he's he's pretty much fine again. He's had enough football in general, yeah. but again, it is the the decision making for me. And maybe even tonight, it's a case of I don't know mental fatigue, or maybe people weren't shouting, communicating with each other on the pitch quite as much as they were against Man City because everybody had to be so on it. It could be a combination of things, really. Just thinking quickly, can you imagine if we had VAR when Skirtle played for us? I think we would no. have lost every, we would have lost <laughs> they, every they, game. They, they still would have been checking some of his corners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we would have had a penalty every game. Good Lord. Um... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Remember when we turned down Man City's bid for Skirtle? It, it was good times. Um, you've just reminded me of all our <laughs> dreadful centre-backs there, Carl. So you outdid my Aston Villa remembrance. Um, well done, you. 
Uh, yeah, there was a couple of chances there. I think Downs had the biggest one. Um, we'll move on to the second half, though. I mean, just on the, just yeah. on the penalty though, quickly. I um, I have to get this in because I have to have a go at one or the other of them. Mm. I didn't actually see the incident because I got to see a blue disc slowly rotating in the middle of the screen. Oh, yes, fantastic. So I don't know whether I should blame Amazon for it or Virgin Media because they've been having. Um, I'm in a little battle with them at the moment over them putting my bill up by 50 quid a month. So, you know, I'll have a little go at both oh, of them. Yes. But really, I mean, either way, this this is the downside to it being an Amazon game. The, the, yeah. the tech's better than it was the first time they had a load of ma- matches, but feels to me that it there still a, leaves a lot to be desired when, you know, the, it's a premier product, literally, and we shouldn't be getting that. Um, in the end, I managed to watch it a different way a minute behind um, and ignored my phone. Which, although I may be... I don't know. There wasn't any notifications going to come on my phone anyway, were there? But um, there was that. Then I think the other thing about the penalty was what a save. And yeah. just just quickly on Gomez, I suppose you could argue that what he did was um, it's kind of like this, it, like the old day of professional fouls. You sort of negate negate a chance for the opposition. You know, you, you you take away one chance and maybe maybe they'll bottle the penalty. And and it happened. Um, although I think. I think it was more a great save from Ali than it was a bad pen from them, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure I'm biased. But I do think, you know, there's something about Ali that you do think when there's a penalty against us, you've got a chance it'll be saved. And maybe I'm trying to be kind to Joe here, maybe that's what he was thinking. Possibly. It's weird with Allison <laughs> because I, I remember the first time in the early days of him being everyone just thought he was crap at saving penalties, and then something just clicked and he seems to be really good at saving penalties now. I mean, there's been a few, hasn't there? I remember the Jorginho ones. Um, it's Tafferell, mate. It's Tafferell. Yeah, that's true. It is. Big John Achterberg finally got his hands on someone. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is, it is sign of development. Uh, but we will move on to the second half. And Jim, I'll start with you. Um, it seems to start quite positively. Um, we have that um, nice Hendo and Moore uh, interplay I think Carl mentioned earlier. Um, then it changes when <laughs> the game forms a pattern we don't like. But yeah, um, we all, it's, it's part of the raw crack now. Henderson watch, obviously Dave's not here for for his premiere a bit. But Henderson, he had a weird game for me because I thought on the ball he was actually like quite good and he like played quite well, but when Thiago went off, I think all our structure just completely went, and he's obviously part of that. Yeah, I think there was one bit that made me laugh. There, I think Thiago was running around with the ball in the first half, and Hendo was like, sort of getting in position, like he's going to get a pass. And it was as if Thiago thought, "Now nah, fuck that," and carried <laughs> on with the ball and found somebody else entirely. And I'm sure it wasn't that, but that's what it kind of looked like. And it is. It was one of those days for Hendo where you could put a clip together. You know, like a, a little three or four minute clip of his of highlights from the game and make him look really, really good. Because was, you know, he did get some good crosses in and things like that. There was there was some good stuff. Or as you say, there were just other moments when, you know, I think I think this is the thing with, with him. I think you know, he, he maybe I'm not sure if we said this the other day that maybe he would be better as an impact player rather than a 90 minute player. But again, because of the situation with injuries and so on, there's going to be games he has to play the full game and. You know, he didn't do too bad. I'm sure Dave will be absolutely fuming when he hears this that we're not scathing enough about him. But yeah, he he's got the daily red tomorrow. He's firing. He'll whinge on that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dave. I, if you're listening, I, I'm going to say it on Henderson. I think um, first off, I do think a lot of it was Thiago because he was taking the attentions of one and two players at times, and obviously he's um, our 
main building player from that deep area. But I think Henderson was pretty good on the ball. I think between yeah. the two of them, we did a really good job centrally. I also think Fabinho, when he came on, was a big steaming pile of dinosaur poo. Yeah. Um, he was he was particularly poor in terms of his movement and his, his body shape tonight. He got run off the ball a couple of times. He looked, again, quite leggy, quite slow. I don't know, again, if there's you know a bit of a recovery element from the weekend back. Do you do you um, think them them two just don't work together for me like in a in a two at all like I know what Hen, uh, no, sorry, Hen- for me, yeah uh, for me no Henderson for me no Henderson yeah I just don't um, work, so. yeah I mean look if we're, if we're looking at what works this season in midfield we've got a very limited show reel to pick from haven't we Let's Thiago honest, plus so. someone out yeah. there <laughs> um, so we we will see it's going to be a case of. In fact, in midfield is very much the same as those wide areas we were talking about and is very much yeah. the same as the forward line. We're basically picking from three players for two positions at the mm-hmm. minute in all of those um, partnerships and all of those banks, basically. So it's two from three up front. It's two from three in the middle. And we're going to have to keep rotating them. And I think that that was an element of the quite early subs for Klopp as well. Um, it's you know quite notable that when we did make those subs, it was probably the three most impactful players uh, or at least two of them for sure uh, obviously in Darwin and Thiago going yeah. off um, and it, it wasn't quite as cohesive after that it wasn't quite as energetic or crisp passing or anything like that but you're going to have to put up with that in spells and that's obviously going to be another part of the real necessity that we have to be a bit more clinical in future because we could have should have been a couple of goals at least clear before they got their penalty we could have got another couple or at least one in the second half uh, and that will probably be quite important for us to do in future so that we can make these subs still over the, these next sort of half a dozen games or whatever, but then not have it impact quite as dramatically on either the performance level or the you know nerves and fingernails of the fans. As I nibble my nails as you're speaking about that half. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought as well, though, when we made the changes, we kind of, as if it was at that point, we sort of thought, right, come on then, you come at us now. We're, we're, we'll let you have possession. You know, we, we're going to try and get you on the break, if anything. And I don't know whether that was just a coincidence with the subs or not, but it did feel like it was now a case of let's just see the game out. And I don't mean so much like we were under the cosh particularly, but, you know, we weren't really going to be taking any risks. You know, we're like, let's have a 1 0, you know, and it's not as exciting a 1 0 as a 4 3, but. You know, I didn't get any high heart rate notifications on me watch this match, so maybe it's a safer way to play. Yeah, quite possibly. I think, as as Carl said there, I think with the limited options in, in them positions as well, I think Thiago especially, as we kind of alluded to, he's the only midfielder that seems to work at the minute. Um, so we definitely have to protect him. Mm-hmm. Um, what what did you make of Carvalho, Jim? I mean, he's obviously came in had the big moment against Newcastle. But outside of that, I don't know. We played him in midfield once. That didn't really work against Everton. Um, we seem to have found a nice position for him here on the as a left midfielder. Not huge, like a massive impact, but I think he looked his most natural, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's one bit I wrote down. I can't even remember what it was now, but I wrote down Tricky Carvalho because there was a spell sort of in the first half where... He just he just ran at them with the ball. I don't know how he managed to keep hold of it. The way it was just some, some you know some very skillful plays. You like it, it's quite a pace, and in the end it came to nothing. But he, you could sort of see the fear in the faces of the West Ham players, and they're the things he's capable of. And you know, in a team that's not had a lot of confidence this season, he also needs to sort of realise and remember just how good he is and get his confidence up. Um, 
I knew he got a kick at one point, didn't he? He looked, he looked to be in pain, whether that mm. was pain or yeah. a sort of why didn't you give me a do more about it rep? I don't know, but yeah, he. I feel again another one for the future, but one for the future you can deliver now if we just if he just sort of um, believes in himself a little bit more because we we've seen what he can do and where's his correct position? Who's you know what what's what's going to happen? I think this thing I I think I've said over and over again about the Liverpool teams of the last few seasons is what they had in common with the Liverpool teams of days gone by, which is that almost telepathic way of playing that they all knew where each other was going to be and what sort of runs they were going to make, what kind of passes they were going to get. And, you know, it was sort of, you could almost, they could almost have played with their eyes shut. They were, they were that well up on how each other played. And this squad, you know, there's been just enough changes and just enough differences and just enough sort of rotation, I suppose, that 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 aspect isn't there yet. That's still got to be worked on. And I think when it does come to, then players like Carvalho will be in, you know, will be extra special, if you like. They'll they'll up it even more what they can do. And it's just giving him that time. Obviously he knows Harvey very well, but the rest, you know, it's just it's just taking that time. And and it's easy to forget that we're only what, are we ten games in now? So, you know, there's 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 plenty of time for him to get better and what is his best position though? That's 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 the question I still don't really know. And is that best position one that we're gonna have a formation that he fits into? So that that they're the kind of questions we need to wait and see, but I'm sure we'll have answers in without too much of a wait. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone sees the talent as you said. Um Carl, I'll come to you and probably first question on West Ham. Obviously they grew into the game on uh, at the start at the end of the first half. Um Declan Rice, uh, he got given man of the match by Ali McCoy, which I thought was a bit strange. He certainly was uh, really good in that second half. We, we, we've we kind of alluded to it in the it's midfield. How dare you? Um, <laughs> but we obviously allude to the midfield issues that are coming. Obviously, he will cost a bazillion pound. But if West Ham ever come back to earth and he is some sort of realistic money... Would he ever be an option for Liverpool? I, I certainly think most people think he'd fit there, but it's just whether a deal is actually realistic. But he certainly looks like somebody who could play for, for a Jurgen Klopp team. What I would say is anyone who can play in midfield in the Premier League in the double pivot can play for probably the top sides because it's a very, very difficult thing to do in a modern yes. game given you know, the amount of pressure on the ball and all the rest of it. And he does really well at that. And he's become a really good line breaker as well. Um, he's, he's decent on the ball. He's fairly dynamic, not the most dynamic, but pretty dynamic. But the thing about signing him is it depends who is the other one who's going to be playing alongside him. So obviously for Liverpool, you know, for the last, what, 18 months now, it's all been about Jude Bellingham's got to be the one, Jude Bellingham's got to be the one, fine. If Jude Bellingham is your one, fine. You can't put Bellingham and Rice in the double pivot because both of them are going to break forward ahead of the ball too much. You need basically a Fabinho. And when I say a Fabinho, I do mean last season's Fabinho, not the one that we've seen most of the time over the last... Uh, sort of two months or so. So it depends on how you want to use Rice. It depends on how you want your midfield to function. To be honest, I mean, in fact, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. We haven't got Dave on the podcast today, so there's no point in uh, (laughs) going off piste when we don't have to. Um, Rice is good enough to play for a Champions League side. Whether he is good enough to be, let's say, the single main man in midfield for a, a title fighting side, I'm still a little bit hesitant to say to be honest I, th- I think he probably 
lacks a little bit of either vision or absolutely perfect defensive mouse for that. And maybe he needs to go to a bigger side to get to that level. That's obviously something that can help a player improve. But it, I think more than that, it depends on who you plan to partner him with in, a, in the two. Do you think he's at the right part of his career where someone like Klopp could actually teach him enough new tricks to make that difference for him? That's that's another question I would say, maybe. Um, you know, mm-hmm. is there enough time left in his career? Does he does he already think he knows it all? I'm not saying he's an arrogant player, but you get what I mean, does he? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, what, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's 23, turns 24 during the course of this season. I think it would be a very, very good time for him to, to move, but you're also obviously taking the not so much a risk or a gamble because if you want to go to play to a bigger club or in the Champions League, you have to make that move at some point, but you're making the step on the assumption that you think you are now good enough, whereas 23 is still reasonably young. 24, unless you're already like a really elite level player uh, at that age, I think if you wait any longer than that, you run the risk of maybe stagnation or maybe missing out on peak years of uh, you know that that combination well, we of saw that with willingness like Ndidi, to learn. Maybe Ndidi, maybe um say maybe Donny van der Beek stayed at maybe Ajax a couple of years too yeah. long more than he, he could have. He he was you know, a sensational young player. Um it's it's very, very much I think about A when you move and B what team obviously you pick to go to, the coaches that are there, the style of football that they have. I mean, look at Harry Kane, for example. He's obviously reached a very, very high level, but I I honestly think that there will be, after his career ends, a bit of a suspicion he could have been even more if he went to a bigger club than Tottenham who was consistently fighting yeah. for the very, very biggest of trophies and there was a real expectation on him to score every game, to win every game, to be a footballer, a, sec- a second forward, a creator, everything. Who could, help around him as well. Yeah, basically, basically everything. I think that there would have been more expectation on him. So maybe there would be a bit more that somebody, some manager could have got out of him. Even though he's obviously really, really good, could there be more? And maybe Rice's approach at that point, at the very least, he's obviously got a few years of Kane, but in terms of when you can still learn loads and still have the physical capacity to be at your very best in midfield, probably he's approaching that in the next year, 18 months maybe. Yeah, I think there's, there's. I mean, going back to say Andy Cole for Manchester United, I don't think he was that great to play, but the team he was playing in made him look good. So if you can imagine someone like Harry Kane going to a team that can make someone like Andy Cole look good, if you like, in today's in today's terms, you know, for example, if he'd have gone to Manchester City, what you know, what what kind of record would he have now? Because he'd have been given chances and he'd have been creating chances for better players, wouldn't he? So. Um, that, yeah, I think you're right. I think at the end of his career, if he doesn't make a big move, he's going to look back and think what might have been. Yeah, I think Chelsea may be the favourites to get him, I think, because they've obviously had the long-standing links and they love buying previous academy players for a lot of money. Um, but so, <laughs> so do United. But he, he doesn't have to move out then, that's does true. he? That's true. That's true. Um, but I'd certainly take him, but I think... <laughs> Couple of weeks, a couple of seasons ago, they were in the summer. I should say, asking for like a hundred mil plus. It's we'd, we'd never be in that market. And obviously, Carl mentioned the the Bellingham links there. I think everyone would prefer Bellingham because he's nineteen and kind of already done it at a big club. But I think both would be ideal. But in a two, as Carl says, you kind of have to play a back three like Gareth Southgate and a million men behind the ball. So yeah, it's a. It's a tough question there, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's in Liverpool's thinking, if a, if the price comes down. Um, 
Carl, is there anyone else from West Ham that catches your eye? Obviously, you did scouted before the game, but Skamaka had a bit of a odd game. He didn't seem to link up with his team too well. I've always liked four nails, but maybe not for a club like Liverpool. Is there anyone else you see making a, a jump to a bigger team? Uh, to a bigger team rather than Liverpool. Um, yeah, I don't see many that would come to us. No, I don't think so. I mean, Jared Bowen's the obvious one, I yes. think, because he's English, because he's an attacker, because he sometimes plays really well. Um, I still think Zuma is a good enough defender to play for a, a Champions League side, maybe not the you know, title sides, but when he's fit and uh, obviously gets a run of games if he has a good partner, then yeah. Uh, I also think that Alfonso Ariola is a easily good enough goalkeeper, not just to be West Ham's number one, but to be a number one at a little bit higher club if if uh, he ever stops being a backup, because that's all he seems to do now is go on loan and go to different clubs and be the number two. But there you go, Fabianski had a good game tonight. Um, the rest of them, I think Europa League level is their ceiling, which is probably what West Ham are at the moment. Um, Suchek, I think, is another one who maybe depending on the style of team you can see him having you know going to a, a team that tries to fillany their way to points uh, in the top four or something like that but I don't think that he's probably a player who'll do it now I do like he definitely Johnson, looks like a future Roma signing or something like that under Mourinho doesn't he <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely um, yeah maybe we'll come on to some um, West Ham well we will come on to some West Ham chances because there was a good few of them um, after the subs uh, Jim I'll, I'll come back to you before the subs um, I mentioned that Henderson more one two. West Ham have a couple opportunities Trent nearly well a ball breaks to Trent after a deflection from a West Ham player and he just I think he passes behind Bobby I think it was or it might have been more um, Henderson with another really nice pass to Darwin maybe just sent him a smidge wide but as we mentioned earlier Darwin is clearly left footed so it was on his stronger foot <laughs> um, the shot just goes wild a bit but then there is them dreaded subs I mean we've mentioned the subs themselves but at the time did you I think we can all understand Thiago coming off but Darwin coming off I know he run about a lot but he only came on against City I'd guess it means he's definitely starting against Forest, but it felt like a strange one at the time he did because I mean, as I said, he was full of energy. He didn't look remotely tired, and you know, as the anyway, as the younger player out of out of all the, the the front men, you'd expect him maybe to be the one that stayed on. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why he didn't, um, mm. unless there was just you know maybe Klopp didn't trust him as much for the tracking back. Even though we've said tonight he did well tracking back, it it didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, obviously, I think every single substitution has something in mind of what's gone before and what's to come, and just trying to get the best out of these players. I mean. I'm sure now if, if you could give Klopp a time machine, he'd, he'd take Jota off 10 minutes before the end. Um, because obviously I think, you know, we, we saw the impacts on him. But, you know, it, it, it was a strange one. I, don't, I really don't know why why he came off. I felt, leave him in the game, he's creating chances. You know, one of them is going to go in if he keeps creating them or keeps getting them, if you like, keeps mm-hmm. taking them. So, yeah, it was a strange one, but... We've got, as you said, we've got so many games to come and we've got to give people a chance. It was just, um, it was almost maybe giving giving Salah a chance as well by, you know, to, to have a slightly yeah. different role. But, it just um, felt like Bobby might have been the one because he, he had he had good touches and then he had dreadful ones. So it was like, and we, and uh, Bobby's the one I think we need to look after because yeah, yeah. I think I said the other day, I wish he was five years younger because you just know that at some point he's going to be... He is going to run out of steam, isn't he? He's going to struggle to play 90 minutes. So, you know, get get lots of 60 minutes out of him. You know, lots of 30 minutes out of him, if you like, for the end of the game. And 
get the best out of him. So, yeah, I, I agree on that one. Um, flip side to it, though, it was good to see Curtis Jones getting back in, yeah. the, in the side because he's another player that we've got a lot of high hopes for. But the injuries he's had have really, <laughs> really stopped his progress, haven't they? Yeah. They've just not given him the chance to, to sort of build on what he's doing. And he's definitely a player who, who needs to feel confident about what's going on in his game. You can see sometimes when he's not having a great game that it kind of does affect him more and more in the, in the game. So... He needs minutes, and that that was promising. And obviously, Elliot came back on, and yeah, he's um, such a little live wire. A lot of lot of good. Lot of, you know, I'm really hopeful about him for the future. And um, we've already said enough about Fabinho, haven't we? Really, we've probably said more. Yeah. We've probably talked about him more than um, he did anything good tonight, which is a shame. It's not like him, but it's like him this season. Just don't bring him on as a sub. He's past that point now. <laughs> Seems to yeah. be when he's at his worst. Um, he I've... plays his best when he gets an early yellow card. For he Benio. does, doesn't he? He does. Because he, he can't risk one. And after that, everything's just spot on with him because he doesn't want to risk another yellow. We need him to Vinnie Jones people in the first minute. That's what we need to do. <laughs> um, where are we up to? Uh, Bobby Hendo have a, a, a nice one-two leads to a corner. Uh, we nearly scored off that corner. Yes. Um a nice pass by Trent, Bobby, poor finish. And then probably the most, probably the moment that almost turned the game in West Ham's favour for me. I, I think a bit of sloppiness broke into the, tea, um, into the side at that point anyway. But it's when Gomez completely lost the flight of the ball and seemed to be a bit of miscommunication between him, Allison, and maybe Trent a bit, but I think a bit harsh on Trent. And then it, it basically falls to Ben Rama, who has a crap finish, but... Again, that's when we seem to become a bit more panicked, Jim. Yeah, that's it. It's, um, I mean, I thought the other day that there were times against City where we sort of sat back a little bit and let them come at us, and then you know we would hit them on the break rather than it being always us that's attacking players then getting caught out on the break. It's as if that's what's kind of caught us out a lot this season. And is this what we were doing here? We were just trying to not be caught out, but. I don't know. There's something about Liverpool teams and whether it's the Rodgers effect from all those years ago. I just hate the idea of the ball being anywhere near the back. Get it up the other end as far away from our goal as possible. And This is the thing with football. No matter how good you are, mistakes are very easy to come by and a goal takes a second to happen. um, I I wouldn't say I was frightened much in this game, but there there was just these little moments and I'm thinking... You know, he's really got to keep focused here. We've just just got to watch this. And I mean, in the lead up to this, the notes I've got down is us having efforts, us having yeah. passes, like you said, the Hendo to Bobby and, you know, Elliot had an effort, the corners and Bobby had a, a header saved and from that corner, you know, all of these things were happening. But then next thing you know, they are, um, I mean, was this the one the one where, the point where uh, Simicast had to chest the ball out because Ali couldn't yes. get to it? You know, the, the, these were the moments then and you're thinking, oh my God, what's going on? Anytime now we can score. But as Carl said, we're not, you know, we've got to put them away. We've got to score those goals, you know. Um, Again, this has been another problem this season has been that we, we can create chances, but we're not putting them away enough. And sometimes we're not creating the, the clear chances that can lead to goals. So um It seems we can only be one good at some one thing at a time. We yes. can be defensive defensively sound or we can score loads of goals but be defensively shit. So Yeah, that's I'd it. It's like remember Rafa used to want to having a having yeah. a blanket, didn't he? You? you can yeah. only have it cover so much of the pitch. That's us. We'll that, that's the blanket. We're one nils or we're four threes. We can't have a I very rarely can have a seven-one, but yeah, now and again. Someone ring a sign. This seamstress. <laughs> we need a longer blanket. Um, <laughs> I forgot to mention Ben Rama did obviously come on uh, for Pablo Fornells before that chance. 
Uh, Antonio comes on on the 74th minute for Flynn Downs, obviously going a bit more attacking, bringing off a midfielder for an attacker, or basically a battering ram at this point. Um, yeah, Carl, I mean, I, I do agree. I, I think everyone will remember that second half as being awful. But at all my notes, it, it's similar to Jim's. It's all about us making chances till about the 80th minute when it was kind of all hands on deck. Um but my next note is more got a free kick in capitals because it never happened. Um, for that the, one where I, I probably wrote Taylor would have played on. Yeah, yes, although <laughs> Stuart, Stuart Atwell does make up his own rules as well, to be fair. <laughs> uh, Fabian, uh, Fabianski saves from a Bobby chance um, and then Jones uh, has his shot blocked and we get a corner. Uh, you're right, you, we've obviously had discussions in the past, Cal, about Curtis Jones. I think you alluded to it when we discussed the subs about that position suit, I mean, it obviously looks very rusty at times, but do you, do you think that's a position that could possibly suit him better than the, the left centre mid Ginny role thing we were trying to do before his injuries? Um, I mean, suits him in terms of it allows him to bring parts of his game which he used to have uh, into the equation. You know, when he was coming through the youth team, obviously he was a really attack-minded player. Uh, we've tried to use him as much more of a controlling player in that midfield, so if we're going to continue playing this system, left side is where he has to go for, left or right. Uh, obviously, on the left-hand side, we get him a, a little bit more cutting in to, to shoot. From the right-hand side, I would imagine we're getting a bit more as a ball carry and trying to play those angled passes through instead. But he doesn't have blinding pace. We know that. Obviously, that's part of the reason maybe that he was taken out of the front three. Uh, he's not he's not as quick to run in behind. He's someone who'll come short for the ball, much more involved in the build-up and link play than he is in the sort of end product. But he is a goal threat through a little bit more creativity than some of those players and through well, obviously wanting to have shots himself. He's pretty decent with a long-range strike. So the most important thing for Jones is that he has to stay fit. And it, it's, yeah. it's been really, really unfortunate for him. This isn't like um, you know any one of the players like Matip when he arrived, when Gomez for a while... Tiago every other month sometimes where he gets muscle injuries and all the rest of it. It's been really stupid stuff for Jones, like stuff he probably cannot do anything about at all, the eye injury and the concussion and all the other stuff. So I do feel sorry for him, but at the same time, this is a guy who's now played 76 times for Liverpool's first team. You know, he, this season, all things being normal, he should get past the 100 appearances mark, which is not a regular thing. I think it's just Trent who has managed that from the academy since Gerrard. So it's it's a long time coming for, for for academy players to be able to contribute in such a consistent and sustained way over a long period of time. Jones should already have been there, but yeah. now he needs to make sure that he can push on and, and make sure he, he, he gets past this, what's probably been, what, 24 months now of stop, start, stop, start. Because when he gets a run in the team, he's a very, very good player and he can be a very effective player for us. I really like Jones. I think I probably like him a bit more than Dave, whereas... Dave is probably a bit higher on one or two of the other players than I am, just just by preference of what we want them to do in the team, I suppose. Um, I think that Klopp likes Jones a lot. He relies on him when he's fit and when he's playing well. When he's playing regularly, he gives him four and five starts in a row. But we also know that once he does maybe take that drop off, either in training or in matches, when he mm -hmm. stops being as consistent on the ball, when he stops doing all the things you need to do defensively, he will take him out for three months at a time, even if he's not injured. So it's a it's a it's a bit of a balancing act, but I think we've seen so far, mostly because Diaz has been injured, we have slightly had a, a bit of a an imbalance between the right side has been 
apart from Man City game, has been Salah. So it's been someone who's really wide, really rapid, really trying to join up as a third attacker. And from the left-hand side, has been someone cutting in and a bit more link play, a bit more hard work and that kind of thing. So I think there's a good opportunity there for him. But it is... There's no other way to put it other than it's really, really important now, especially over this period when we've got our first two um, seniors from that side of the pitch out injured that he steps up and proves. Because let's be honest, for a player as experienced as he is at this point, he shouldn't be allowing, let's say, a new 20-year-old signing to be in the team ahead of him. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of where Jones is in his career at the minute. He needs to be ahead of Carvalho. Uh, obviously, they're different players. He used them for different situations or whatever. But just in general, broad terms, get himself fit, get himself into a bit of rhythm and show that you need to be in the team ahead of him. That's what he's got to do because he's not getting in central midfield, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd add Elliot onto that as well. Obviously, I know different sides and stuff like that. But <laughs> for someone who's like 20, I think he's 22, maybe turning 23, if I remember correctly, it, in modern football, I think you, this is the year you'd want to settle yourself as maybe not a starter but someone the manager can properly rely upon I mean we saw those moments with people like Mason Mount I know we've been at a higher level than when they were breaking through but it just feels like Jones with these injuries and odd things it's just it's been set back and I think that's why people were discussing the loan deal in in the summer that's maybe the stagnation something we can't fix now but yeah obviously with all the injuries he'll be relied upon a lot more I think I, I, well, I think I think so. I hope so. He is only twenty one. He's, he's oh, been he's involved okay. in the first team team for quite a long time. It's it's fair to remember that. But he does turn twenty two in January, and right. like you say, like we were just talking about Declan Rice there, you know, a hundred million pound player is only one year older than him. Joe's has got quite a long way to go to make sure that he's a at least a semi regular go to in the starting eleven for Liverpool at the moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but this will be. I think this till the World Cup will be a quite a big. Uh, run for him because yeah that left mid roll quite open with um, with all the injuries there um, so maybe it'll be him and um, Carvalho dovetailing there um, but it'll be an interesting uh, viewing that's for sure but, I think uh, what's interesting as well when you talk about injuries is that as much as the injuries have kind of curtailed his development maybe the injuries give him a chance at least to kind of get it back on track and mm-hmm. this is something I think all the players have got to look at now I mean I know Simicast gets some stick, but he came in high, and to me, he played one of the best best games he's played yeah. in, in certainly parts of it. And is that because he knows damn well that there's a guy on the bench that he's got to play as well as that if he wants to keep his place. You know, he's got to play better than that if he wants to keep his place. And the same for the guy who's on the bench. He knows he's got his work cut out to keep his place when he does come in. And having that kind of competition is good. And I think at the moment, when there's players who are maybe only getting in clusters competition because of injuries, they've got to take those chances where they got them. They've got to use these minutes well and they've got to show what they can do. And, you know, there's never a better incentive than that. I mean, so many times in the past, good players have become brilliant players because someone else's misfortune with injury. So hopefully a few of them will take that opportunity now just to prove themselves. That could even include Ox, for example, who's been so unlucky with injuries. Mm -hmm. If he does get back in the team right now, it could just work out brilliant timing for him. Yeah, I think him in that right midfield option, it'd be allowed to free up a Borsala to go in the forward line as well mm. more more regularly, so that'd be nice. Um, Naby could probably play in one of them wide roles, but we mentioned we already have three midfielders, so Naby will be needed in central midfield as well. Um, where are we up to? Henderson nearly forces Zuma into an own goal, which would have been funny. 
Um, yeah, and Jim, this is the last 10 minutes, so this is kind of when it gets panic stations. Um, we bring on Milner, who seemingly has a free roll to just <laughs> go tackle people, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, and the 81st minute, Moore has a chance, but it, it, he, I think he skins someone, but the second touch just pushes it onto the goalkeeper. Um, but that chance on the 86th minute... Um, I can't remember who takes the shot for West Ham, but it's a fantastic block by Milner, and I think he deflects it into Allison, who makes a save, so I'll give them both credit, but it's a, I don't know how West Ham didn't score there, but it's fantastic work from the pair of them. Yeah, I wasn't sure what who who got the last touch of what happened, but the, the fact is Liverpool happened and they didn't carry it in. I think you're right with Milner, I mean, he... I wonder, is he another player that does better once he's had his first yellow card? He's got a focus of he's just trying to get that out of the way as quick as he could. But that 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 was, you know, he gets so much stick, but he puts such a shift in against City at the weekend. And then he comes on tonight and and just straight into the game and straight into making a difference. But as notes go on, 85 minutes I wrote, LFC need to focus here, no errors, which I think I wrote down in a kind of nervous, sort of superstitious way. And then a minute later in capitals, but they didn't. And, <laughs> and that, you know, it just felt like, my God, we, we do it too often. We kind of, we, we play so well. We create so many chances. We, we keep, we snuff out danger and then we, we make mistakes. And it feels like that's what, what this was. We just invited them onto us. But the other side to it is when Liverpool are playing well. And even in, in the seasons when we won the league, nearly won the league, you know, we talk about that's the sign of champions when, you know, when you don't play well and you still come out with results, well, th- there's also maybe those moments when, you know, somehow, um, somehow you keep it out. And Alisson tonight was maybe um, heading for man of the match with some of the stuff he did have to do, although he didn't have a lot to do. But then, of course, cancels that out with some of the silly passes he was doing early on. So this, you know, this is the kind of mixed bag we get sometimes with Liverpool. But yeah, I think if anything, that the fact that didn't go in, that was probably the um, I don't know. I think that that finished then. I think that was it. I mean, there wasn't much time left, but I think that's the one where you think, "Ah, oh, shit, it's just not going to happen, is it?" Because it it should have done, but it didn't somehow. And you know, I couldn't work out from the replays who touched what when, but it wasn't in the goal, and that's all. That and who who cares at <laughs> that stage yes, of the game? Is exactly. That, most importantly, um, yeah, I haven't got much notes beyond that because I think I forgot to write notes as I was just wishing keep the fucking ball in the corner for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, Hendo had a shot straight at one of their defenders. Um, good pass from Milner towards the end to Hendo, and he just had a shot that just got blocked. But um, and then after that, of course, Milner was just trying to keep the ball in the corner yeah. and things, wasn't he? Absolutely. Um, Carl, any uh, final thoughts on that second half or the game as a whole, and anything you want to plug before we go? Just um, the overall level, I think, which dropped so much after the substitutions. Uh, I think a lot of that last stage of the game was a bit chaotic. I think if you compare the two defensive performances, second half of Man City and second half of West Ham, it shows that although we won both games 1-0, we got a clean sheet in both matches, they were achieved in very, very different ways. Uh, There was a lot more cohesion, a lot more togetherness, a lot more communication probably against City. And this one was a, a little bit just put people in the way and hope for the best at times. Um, does show that there's still you know, a good bit of a way to go before we can say that we're back to a level where we're winning games rather than the other team is missing out the chance to take a point and draw the game at the very least. Uh, Trent, I thought, was good. We haven't really mentioned him yeah. too much, but I think his, his 
general play was pretty good. Defensively, he was quite diligent mm-hmm. until the last couple of minutes. I think he was involved in one of those uh, chances where yeah. uh, I can't remember who it was Ben Rammer, I think, got in behind him possibly. Yeah, I think um, he kind of just he put in a weak tackle, didn't he, and just kind yeah. of walked behind him. Yeah, yeah, him, Henderson, Gomez all did the same sort of thing really, and it was quite fortunate in the end. But generally speaking, I think Trent was decent. Um, I think at the minute you kind of just have to take whatever falls our way because at the start of the season, as bad as we were, we did also have either a bit of bad luck or a complete absence of good luck, depending on which way you want to look at it. Because a lot of stuff which could have fallen either way did not fall our way at all. So if it comes to it that we make a really good penalty save, but then also they miss like two or three really decent chances after we have as well, take it. You know, we have to get the points and we have to get the wins however way possible at the minute. Um, it's absolutely right that when you win the title and you not be at your best and win the game, you take that. So there's no reason why we wouldn't do it again this time. Two back-to-back wins in the league. We haven't got three in a row yet, so hopefully at the weekend we'll, <laughs> we should have a pretty decent opportunity to do that for the first time this season, at the very least, obviously, against uh, against let's, the league's bottom let's, side. Let's not jinx near, it. Nearly bottom side. <laughs> let's not jinx it. No, no, I've already said we're losing 5-2. That's I true. At all. I've reversed things in advance already. So we're, Leicester we're good. still, Leicester bottom. Yeah, Leicester are bottom. God, how is he still in Anyway, <laughs> but overall, I think this was again another step forward in terms of a bit of belief, a bit of good build-up play shown on the ball. I don't think we've ever been that far away, but the last few weeks I think has been quite a bit better. So we did see parts, at least in the first half, where we were. Really, really good on the ball and in the final third. And again, showing that the shape, I think, suits us at this moment in time. It's not perfect. Like I say, off the ball, I think we find it very much more difficult now to press as high upfield as we did before. But that isn't the only way that you can win games. So as long as we're doing all right in other areas of the pitch, that's fine as well. Yeah, I think fixing the chaotic defence is the priority there. And Albeit it was panic stations at parts in that second half, I think we gone a long way from the mess that we were um Arsenal game and before that etc um so yeah fixing it one step at a time I think um but Jim uh, your final thoughts on the game and and anything to plug yeah I think yeah the, the, there's a feeling I think this season that we kind of I feel like we came into the season kind of thinking we've already we're already here now we've we've done plenty we're really good we just sort of turn up and we had a rude awakening that wasn't the case and it's taken a while for us to get to the point almost where we've realised that we need to just do some more basic things and just get those things right. Run, trying to run before you can walk. You know, we already thought we could run and it turned out, you know, new season, just walk for a bit and then try running. So it's good to kind of see us walking through things a little bit more. So obviously we had to put everything into that City game. And this game to me, my fear for this game was that, you know, we've seen it too often in seasons gone by where, We've had seasons where we've ended empty-handed, where we've put in great performances, memorable wins against the teams who were top of the table at the time or in the top three or four at the time. And then we've not even got into the top three or four because of all the other games that we've just gone and thrown away. And we've thrown a lot of games away this season already. We We can't really afford to throw any more away, even just for Champions League places. So I liked what I saw tonight in the sense that we got the job done. We did just about enough. My worry, of course, is still if they'd have scored, say, 10 minutes from the end, would we have been able to get one back? But that's not a worry now because it didn't happen. They didn't get one. We kept them away. Another clean sheet, another win, another three points. Uh, job done. 
no time to rest. Another game coming, which uh, we've already heard Carl's prediction. I'm not going to do a prediction in case that breaks the jinx in some strange way. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've, 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 I, you know, I've, I've just enjoyed that winning feeling again. I've enjoyed watching the last couple of games. It's been. It's been difficult to watch games at times this season. Just after the game, there was a, I sort of caught a little bit of Ali being interviewed and he was just talking about, you know, the confidence was low and he was sort of saying that it wasn't always necessarily that they were doing lots of bad things, they were doing lots of good things and it just wasn't working out. You know, the confidence was low and it was always just, you know, quite a lot of the time it was just really close. Even the Arsenal game, although you wouldn't give Liverpool 10 out of 10 for the performance in that game, it, it could so easily have gone the other way, but it wasn't and... Somehow now, you know, we just, just need to keep this going, keep this turned around. We've seen what we can do and keep our heads high and, you know, focus. I mean, I said that on my notes. We need to keep focusing. We've got to do that. Focus for the whole 90 minutes. Bring the plays in. And all of those plays, just take your chances when you get them. And I think they will. Um, it feels a little bit as well like we're having that sort of, we're heading into needing a bit of siege mentality because I don't know whether it's just sort of, you only hear the stuff about your own team. But there seems to be a lot of people just wanting to have a go at Liverpool at the moment. The stuff that's been said, you know, it's it's not racist or xenophobic to comment on a country that runs that owns a football team having lots of money from whatever ways it's got the money from. I, I if Chelsea were still owned by Russians, by a Russian man who made his money from oil, we would have been saying the same thing. But if that man had been from Birmingham and had made his money from oil and, and had crazy amounts of money, we'd be saying the same thing again. There's obviously more to it than the money because of the, the, the some of the, certainly with Newcastle, um, it's not just the money that you want to have a go at their owners for, is it? But, um, you know, don't don't turn it around on us as being xenophobic. These are real things that are happening and real things that football should be better than. So other than that, though, yeah, it, as usual, Liverpool getting it in the net for everything. Um, Klopp was right about the money the way that there is this strangely massive amount of money that they can spend and not have any any issues with sort of you know financial fair play who who what is that what's happened to that so we've just got to basically dig in now and i think that's the way that we get through the season now is we dig in you know don't you know if the world's against us the world's against us we just do our thing and get on with it so i'm pleased another win let's see what happens next for me um Hopefully going to get another Scouser Tommy's done this week, but it's so difficult now, isn't it? There's so many things happening. Um, but we'll try and get one done this week if we can. If not, we'll get one done very soon. Um, possibly filling in for Trev on something this week, but you never know, he might be better and have full television and everything. So I'm hoping he, he fixes laptop as well, the backup. <laughs> yes, yes. And I mean, does he, I mean, how, how does he get power? Does he need to sort of use like a, an exercise bike with a dynamo on it? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, if not, I will help. I will sit in for Trev on something, but I'm hoping he's back because, you know, people would rather listen to him than me. That's, my, that's how I feel doing it this podcast, <laughs> Jim, so I know the feeling. Um, so hopefully, people, this is the last time you hear me till the Derby game on this show um, because people, they don't they do not do the League Cup, but I got, I got us to the League Cup final and won it for us, so I'll take that victory lap. Um, but yeah, hopefully Trev's back. Um at the weekend, um, so yeah, but it is hot. it is the early kickoff, so maybe maybe his delivery of his new telly might not be in in by then. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel 
so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.